So much more crazy NFL news to talk about today in WFS, the Will Ford Show, episode 157. I mean, I I didn't think we could, I mean, we didn't really top the Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson news, but we got pretty dang near close. Another blockbuster trade to talk about. I want to start the show off today by touching on the Calvin Ridley situation just a little bit more in depth than I did on Wednesday in the last episode. Kind of touched on it for a couple minutes at the end of the show. So Calvin Ridley suspended by the NFL for a year at least uh, because of gambling while away from the team. Supposedly it's $1,500. Could be more. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a lot more given how much money he makes. I mean, now that he's suspended for a year, he's going to lose $11 million. So like, he's got millions of dollars in the bank already. I wouldn't be surprised if he's bet more than $1,500 on games and what have you. But I said that a year is too much for Calvin Ridley to be suspended from the NFL for just gambling. And I still stick by that. But I want to talk a little bit more in depth because I think it goes deeper than the example that I provided. You know, the, the NFL and all of these professional sports leagues nowadays, they promote sports betting apps, FanDuel, DraftKings, uh, all all these other apps that are out there, Foxbet, things like that. Leagues promote these apps and get so much revenue from them year in and year out. And sometimes their own players even do commercials and endorsements with these companies. So it makes it very hard for a player. I know it's in their contracts. They shouldn't gamble. I know it can negatively impact the integrity of football in the National Football League. But when these players are actively involved in promoting those companies, promoting sports betting, and then they get in this kind of trouble for doing it themselves, um, it, it seems a little hypocritical by the NFL. But on an even deeper level, and I, I think this really needs to be understood, Roger Goodell and really the entire disciplinary team, whoever it is for the National Football League, they need to really look at themselves in the mirror and recognize that they have done a poor job at being consistent with their suspensions, their punishments, their rulings of certain situations. So you're going to sit here and tell me that Calvin Ridley is going to get suspended for one full season, potentially longer, for betting $1,500 on games, including games for the team he played for, the Atlanta Falcons, He's going to get suspended a whole year for betting on games. I understand it hurts the integrity of the league, makes it look like the the league might be fixed. I understand. But Greg Hardy, back in 2015, gets suspended 10 games by the NFL for domestic violence. I mean, we all saw the pictures. His girlfriend at the time was, I mean, bruised up pretty badly. 10 game suspension? And then it was appealed by Greg Hardy, and he ended up only serving four? But Calvin Ridley gets to sit on the sideline for a year because he bet a little bit of money. The NFL is all about him protecting the integrity of the game, making themselves look good. I don't understand why we don't compare it to just everyday people. If a random man or woman not a celebrity, just kind of your everyday average person, beat up a member of the opposite sex tomorrow, they would be fired from their job and placed in jail. 
No, but Greg Hardy gets to sit out from the NFL for four weeks and then gets to play again for the Dallas Cowboys and make millions of dollars. And it's almost as if it's just swept under the rug. Everyone forgets about it after the suspension. Are you serious? Come on. But Calvin Ridley, he bet $1,500. I'm sure he's not the only one. There's other players that are probably doing it too. I'm sure of it. It's basically guaranteed that there are other players that are doing this too that just haven't been caught yet. What you're telling me, basically what you're saying, Roger Goodell in the NFL, is that sports gambling, you know, players who do it in their own sport, who gamble, who go against their contract, that's worse than if a professional football player beats up his wife or girlfriend. That's what you're telling me. That's what you're telling fans. That's the narrative that you've created for yourself because of your inconsistencies. Now, I understand that Ray Rice was essentially banished from the league because of what he did to his wife or maybe girlfriend at the time. Regardless, it doesn't really matter. But even then, the NFL didn't handle that situation very well. They have not done a very good job with domestic violence cases. Miles Garrett is suspended indefinitely for hitting another player in the head with his own helmet. I understand that that's violent behavior, but I don't know if it rises to the level of brutally beating your wife or girlfriend. So you're going to tell me Calvin really is suspended at least one year. The key words there are at least, not even the one year part. It's at least. So it could be more. And I think Calvin Ridley's appealing it, so he should. What he did was wrong. I'm not I'm not sitting here and saying that Calvin Ridley is free of blame, free of judgment in this situation, but to sit here and tell me that what he did is worse than Greg Hardy beating up his girlfriend or Ray Rice beating up his wife in an elevator. You tell me that's that's worse than that. Do better, NFL. Do better, Roger Goodell. It's blasphemous. It's ludicrous. I just, it's unacceptable and things need to change. There needs to be a more consistent system in place in terms of discipline, punishments, and there just isn't one right now. And it, it it's honestly shameful for the NFL to do this. And in all honesty, it destroys their image and their prestige, in my opinion, because of how poorly Roger Goodell has handled disciplinary actions really since he's taken over as commissioner. I spent a little bit more time on this than I wanted to, but I felt like it needed to be addressed. Forget the partnership with FanDuel and DraftKings and all those sports betting apps. How about the inconsistencies when it comes to comparing sports, uh, a punishment for sports gambling to domestic violence? I mean, come on, man. But now let's get to some more off-season news when it comes to player movement, trades, signings, things like that. So, Khalil Mack, widely considered as maybe the second best defensive player in the NFL a couple of years ago when he was traded from the Oakland Raiders, now the Las Vegas Raiders, to the Chicago Bears. And the Bears traded away uh, two first-round picks, I think a second and a sixth as well. They got Khalil Mack, a second, and a conditional seventh. And uh, now, you know, four years later, the Bears have traded Khalil Mack to the Los Angeles Chargers for a 2022 second-round pick and a 2023 sixth-round pick. So clearly not getting the value that they traded away. 
you're not going to. Khalil Mack is now four years older. He's 31 years old. Honestly, I, I'm not sure if he's a top five defensive player in the league anymore, but still certainly very valuable and honestly the best player on the Chicago Bears team. So when you look at it from the Bears perspective, I mean, it doesn't look very good because you're supposed to be trying to build around Justin Fields and you trade away your best defensive player, arguably. Roquan Smith could can make a good argument for being their best defensive player as well, but trade him away. Now what do you have? You don't have much. The The major thing that this saves for the Bears is money because obviously they signed him to a massive extension when they signed him or when they traded for him, excuse me, a six-year deal and worth over $100 million. And so the Bears are obviously saving a lot of money. Chargers have one of the best cap situations in the NFL this offseason. So you're going to go out and get Khalil Mack, who's still 31 and still, I think, has three or four solid seasons left. And you pair him with Joey Bosa, when he's healthy, is one of the best pass rushers in the league. I think this combination of Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa, uh, it's going to be unbelievable. And uh, the the defense, it's kind of been, I think, the softer spot when it comes to the Chargers roster. Their offense unbelievable last year. Justin Herbert in his second year. Austin Eckler is a great receiving back. And then you have Mike Williams, who they just signed to a three-year extension, $60 million. Keenan Allen, the offensive line much improved because they signed and, and drafted players. Rashawn Slater, an all-pro as a rookie. Like Their offense is fine. Their defense has always been so injury-prone. Now you bring in Khalil Mack. It makes that that pass rush just so formidable. And if those guys can stay healthy and play together, you have Derwin James coming back. I mean, that the, the Chargers are going to be a real threat. I mean, a, a legitimate threat in the AFC and uh, could even potentially win the AFC West next year. And like I said in the last episode, the AFC West is just loaded, uh, especially in terms of quarterback talent. But in terms of just overall roster comparison, I think the Chargers probably have the best roster now in the AFC West. The Chiefs obviously have, I think, the best offense. And so that, that makes them very lethal. But as far as roster goes on paper, Chargers take the cake right there. Nothing signed, sealed, and delivered yet. They obviously got to go out and prove it on the field. Love the move for the Chargers, though, because they have so much cap space. And they're only giving up a second and a sixth round pick. That's fine. And... It makes their defense exponentially better, especially in the front seven and in the pass rush. And then, like I said, for the Bears, I think this is more or less just kind of a reboot for the Bears because they also just cut Tariq Cohen, their receiving back, speedy guy today. Now Khalil Mack is gone. It's it's really a hard reset for the Bears, I think, to kind of retool around Justin Fields. You get a couple of draft picks to build a younger core. We'll see what the Bears can do with that. Obviously, the Bears, you know, they trade away their best player. It's a hard sell to the fans, but if you can use those draft picks picks pretty well, and the Bears have not been a terrible drafting team, they're fine, um, then, you know, all is well. They, they free up that money, get a couple of picks. Sure, they're going to hurt a little bit in the short term and in the present, but long-term cap situation-wise, they'll be a little bit better. And it works out, I think, especially for the Chargers um, in the now 
really for the next couple of years. For the Bears, though, it's a hard reset. And then literally this news broke as I was finishing editing Wednesday's episode. I was about to post it. Carson Wentz traded to the Washington Commanders. Uh, My timing couldn't have been worse. Uh, I did talk a little bit about it on Instagram briefly, but the Indianapolis Colts, they received a 2022 second, 2022 third, and a 2023 third for Carson Wentz. It's not what they gave away. They they traded um, a, a first round pick and I think a, a couple seconds for Wentz from Philly just last year. But I really don't think this is a bad deal for the Colts at all. I actually think this is really good. Yes, they're not getting the picks back that they gave away, but this is what they can do. Um, Washington agreed to eat Wentz's $28 million that he's due this year. That's huge for the Colts because now that gives them $70 million in cap space to play with this offseason. So Washington eats that. The Colts receive a couple of draft picks, and I think they're going to use those draft picks, all three of them that they just got. They might as well. The 2022 second, 2022 third, and 2023, uh, yikes, 2023 third, say that five times fast. They're going to trade that to the San Francisco 49ers for Jimmy Garoppolo, who I think is an upgrade over Carson Wentz. Way less reckless with the football, a much better head on his shoulders, more accurate. Garoppolo is very injury prone. We know that. But Carson Wentz also is kind of for that matter. So really, you're you're not really gaining or losing much there. That's kind of a push. But Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't have the arm talent of Carson Wentz in terms of the deep ball, but he is more accurate. He's just way less reckless with the football. He may not push it down the field as much, but he's going to be a lot more consistent um, with, with that level head on his shoulders. And cer- certainly that would be an upgrade if they trade those picks they got for Wentz for Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, and then still going to have a lot of money to play with even after they trade for Garoppolo. I think what the Colts can do, they need a wide receiver to pair with Michael Pittman. Michael Pittman, I think, can be a a, a decent number one, maybe, but right now he's not that. I think he's a number two receiver. T.Y. Hilton is just, he's aged, injury prone, not good anymore. And so I think the Colts should sign Amari Cooper if he is cut by the Dallas Cowboys, which the Cowboys are expected to do. They're also exploring trades, but whenever you announce that you're going to cut somebody, I think their trade value immediately you know, diminishes some when you decide, oh, let's explore the trade market because people, teams are going to be a little less willing to give up things if you know that you're just going to cut them if you don't find a trade. So Amari Cooper, I think, would be an excellent receiver to bring in for Jimmy Garoppolo, excellent route runner, vertical threat, and that would be huge for the passing game. Michael Pittman, Amari Cooper, that's that, that's really, really good. They need another piece on the offensive line as well. Uh, so if they sign Amari Cooper, the Colts will still have plenty of money to play with. They need someone on the offensive line because Anthony Costanzo retired after last season. Not this past season, but the last the, the season before. They need a tackle, and I think you could go out and get Dwayne Brown from the Seattle Seahawks. Maybe even Teron Armstead from the New Orleans Saints. Someone to fortify that offensive line and make it one of the best in the league again. I mean, it's still already one of the best in the league, but uh, you could argue maybe would be the best if they brought in Dwayne Brown or Teron Armstead. 
that would be a perfect offseason for the Colts. Who knows what they do with their draft picks? I think they, in the first round, could probably draft a wide receiver to add to that receiving core. We know the defense is is pretty darn good. The offense needs some help, though, in terms of receiving threats. So you bring in Jimmy Garoppolo, sign Amari Cooper, bring in an offensive lineman like Armstead or Dwayne Brown, and then you use those those draft picks on some offensive players. You can get wide receivers, tight ends, maybe some more offensive line depth. That's a perfect offseason for the Colts if they can pull off a trade for Jimmy Garoppolo and then go out and get these players. On the Washington Commanders side of things, personally, I'm very happy to see that uh, Carson Wentz is going to be back in in the NFC East because I would love to play him twice a year again with how reckless he is with the football. But I do think, even though I'm not a fan of Carson Wentz, uh, I I think it's an upgrade over Taylor Heineke, Kyle Allen, Ryan Fitzpatrick, whoever is in that quarterback room next year for the Commanders. It's an upgrade. Carson Wentz is going to push the ball down the field. He gives you that vertical passing threat. He's got some mobility. Uh, good pocket awareness. He just tends to make not so good decisions with the football sometimes. But I think if you give him a receiver, a clear number one receiver and probably top 10 receiver in the league, maybe top 15 for sure, Terry McLaurin, if Logan Thomas at tight end, if he can stay healthy, Antonio Gibson at running back. The defense played pretty poorly last year, given how talented they are, the individually how talented they are. They didn't play very well, but I think this offense can kind of unlock a different dimension with Carson Wentz in terms of deep balls down the field and Terry McLaurin, really an excellent receiver. He didn't have a standout season last year by any means, but he dropped very few passes. Most of the balls that were thrown his way were deemed uncatchable anyways. That shows you how poor the quarterback play was in Washington last year. Insert Carson Wentz. He's going to throw some more catchable balls. It just depends on if he's going to make the big mistake at the end of the game in some of those high-pressure situations. But as far as getting started for the Commanders, this new name, new franchise kind of, Carson Wentz is going to be the guy, and personally I love to see it as a Dallas Cowboys fan. That'll do it for episode 157 of WFS, the Will Ford Show. Just unbelievable offseason to this point. Rodgers stays. Jordan Love, potentially a, a great trade target as far as the quarterback market goes. Jimmy Garoppolo could be on the move. Russell Wilson's in Denver. Khalil Mack went to the Chargers. Who knows what the heck's going to happen next. But in the next episode, early next week, I'm going to bring a guest on the show, my dad, <laughs> to talk some Dallas Cowboys football because the Cowboys right now are making decisions that neither of us are really fans of. Uh, and so we're going to talk about the proposed cuts, trades, maybe what do we do in the draft. Me and my dad, Joe Ford, going to talk about it in episode 158 next week. We'll see you then. This is WFS, The Will Ford Show.